Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday, before we get into the Word, we're going to watch a, uh, a short video. Um, just to kind of uh, uh, prepare our hearts and uh, get us ready for, for the message and the word we're going to get into. Um, if you've got the video ready there, Marco, you can play it for us. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now onto missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right! The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, $39 billion goes to World C every year. 
Yep. 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. 5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? So if that doesn't challenge you, uh, I don't know what will challenge you. Um, why do we always say a good word? It's a challenging word. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the word specifically in a moment or so. Um, but I just want to really encourage you with watching that video and being challenged by the word or being challenged by something like that. It's one, it's one thing to be challenged and then it's another thing to arise to the occasion and allow the challenge to bring about change in your life. If it doesn't bring about change in your life, then it was just a cool video to watch. And uh, for some of us, we'll leave this place and we'll talk about the cool video we watched, but we won't really partake and become part of that question at the end there. What are you going to do about it? And you might think, ah, oh, but what's Grace Life going to do about it? And you distance and you, you disconnect yourself from What's Grace Life going to do about it? And you're like, you don't see yourself as part of the solution. And that's a problem with the, the Christian church worldwide. So many believers don't see themselves as part of the solution. Part of solving this problem that only such a little amount of believers are, 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 are bringing about an impact in the, the areas and the places where it's highly essential. Now, so today, if you, you haven't noticed, today is Vision Sunday for us as a ministry. And this morning, what the message is really about is about sharing our vision. And uh, it's a good question to ask in considering a church family. What is the, this family's vision? What is Grace Life's vision? And vision determines, and it's a good question to ask, because vision determines how one builds. Right? For example, if you've got a vision to have amazing Sunday gatherings, you're going to build and invest all of your efforts into that Sundays but then you're going to miss out on the rest of the week Monday through Saturday which is a big part of the week if you guys do the maths right a lot of churches are building into a day of the week a lot of churches are building into Sunday making Sundays spectacular and that's not our vision at Grace Life it's not about Sundays it's not about a specific day the other thing to to take note is if you're building and investing all of your efforts and energy into a Sunday you're missing out on so many believers and I'll share some statistics in a moment but a lot of believers, a lot of unbelievers would never come to a church building. That's fact. A lot of unbelievers, a lot of lost people don't get born again through a church gathering. The church gathering is primarily for the believer. For the believer to come together, to fellowship, to be bold up in the word, to be equipped, to enjoy praising God, worshiping Him, ministering to one another. That's primarily what Sunday is about. So our vision is not to build these amazing Sunday gatherings. Even though our Sunday gatherings are pretty amazing. Amen? But that is not our vision. 
So for the newbies out there and uh, all of the oldies, the newbies, you're going to get to hear what the vision of Grace Life is about. And then for the, the oldies, you're going to get to be reminded about the vision of Grace Life. Now, coming back to the video that we watched, it's again important to realize that that video was challenging because there's a lot of fact, there's a lot of truth in there. And we have to ask ourselves this question of, how am I going to be part of changing the, the statistics? Because each one of us has a part to play. It's vitally important for the church worldwide to realize that every believer, whether male, whether female, whether black, whether white, whether young, whether old, it does not matter where you find yourself, socially speaking, ethnically speaking, any form of demogra demographics. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, you've got a part to play. You're filled with the fullness of God. You don't have to get, a, get the Holy Spirit in you to mature. You receive the full stature of Christ in spirit form. Now you grow in understanding that and grow in, and, and renewing your mind to that truth and that brings about maturing. But you need to start off at the place of knowing that you have got it all. You've got what it takes to bring about change. Our vision at Grace Life is challenging. We aren't a comfortable church. Christianity was never intended to be sold as have a comfortable life. It was never intended to be that. Yet a lot of churches, a lot of messages is about, hey, come to Christ. He's going to make your life comfortable. Nowhere in the Bible does he say that. He actually says the opposite. You in this world are going to have persecution. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be rejected. Christianity was never intended to be sold as having a trouble-free life. You can have a troubled-free life. Not being troubled by the troubles, but you're going to have troubles in this life. It was never intended to be sold as a blending with the world and don't offend anyone life. Jesus offended people. And he knew that he offended them and then he offended them again. Because the truth is offensive. It's challenging. The Christian life was never intended to be sold as a be bold on Sunday and be on fire for Jesus on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, go and blend in and don't like, don't tell anyone that you're Christian. A good word is a? And I'm not preaching at you, I'm ministering to myself, and I'm ministering truth to us so that we can mature into who God created us to be. Because it's only when maturity comes that we get to bear fruit and change people's lives. But one thing to start off this, this Vision Sunday with, and a, and a truth is, if we don't die to self, we'll never have the impact that Jesus intended for us to have. If we don't die to self. Self will always oppose the working of the Spirit in us and through us. Thinking of self. Thinking of, I don't want to be rejected. Having a fear of man. Proverbs says a fear of man brings a snare. Thinking of self will always prevent the flow of the Spirit of God through you. James 3.16 says... For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, and self-ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Just basically meaning wherever self is being promoted, wherever pride is at the forefront, there will be evil. Luke 9, 23-24 says, Jesus said to all of his followers, If you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Say disown. disown. 
Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. That is where the world, the state of the world, they're trying to keep their lives. They're trying to, to be gods of their own lives and they're losing their lives. It's only when we give over to Christ and giving over sacrifice and surrender in the kingdom of God always brings about increase. Hence Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive because it's in giving that there's the greatest gift of all time. I want to share some stats with you guys just to add to the video again. Roughly 79%, 79% of Christians receive Christ through, through a friend or family member. The other 20% consists of church, crusades, um, movies, um, programs, and things like that. But 80% of all Christians that's come to receive Christ came through a personal contact. One individual. But listen to this. This is American statistics. So it's probably a little bit different to us in our culture, but probably not too much. Only 95% of Christians don't, or 95% of Christians don't share their faith in evangelical efforts. Meaning that they invite people to things, crusades, churches to become born again. They don't see themselves as the solution. So only 5% of Christians out in the world are having to bring about the 80% to the Christian church. The stats are completely wrong. There's an imbalance. Why? Because people, believers, think that I, I don't have it. The pastor needs to bring about the, 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 the pastor needs to grow the church. The pastor needs to be the evangelist, the, the, the teacher, the, the, the prophet, the, the apostle. He needs to do it all, and I'm going to put money in the bucket to have him do it all. That's not church. That's not God's heart for church. That is not a body. That is an imbalance. That's a monster. We looked at this last week. It's a monster when your eye is as big as your body is. It's a monster when your nose is as big as your body is. We've got different members all having one purpose, to, make, to keep the body alive. The metaphor for we all, you, are part of the body of Christ. Every one of you has a part to play to keep the church alive and to bring about maturity in the church. This is our vision. And again, this might be uncomfortable for you, but we're not a comfortable church. I'm going to put pebbles in your shoes every Sunday. I'm going to irritate you. I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. Because I'm uncomfortable. I want to be uncomfortable because it's just one of those things. Ministering the gospel and standing out is always going to be uncomfortable. When we go to the mall after this, this meeting in, in uh, uh, reaching out and, and uh, partaking of evangelical efforts, it's uncomfortable. But guess what? I don't not do it because it's uncomfortable. I do it because this is God's heart for the world to receive Christ, for the world to come to salvation. And it's not dependent on just one person or a few people. It's all of us together. Because if each of us becomes part of the statistics in reaching our colleague, 
our family member, the, 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 the stranger that we meet on the road, we're going to see more salvation. We're going to see the church of God growing more than we've seen in the history of time. That's what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. There needs to be an equipping of the saints, every one of us, for a work of ministry. We've got a work of ministry, each one of us. You might not realize it. You might not know what that looks like. But that is what we're here for. And we're going to look at that in a moment. So what's Grace Life's vision? A better question to ask is what's God's vision for the world? Because it's not about Grace Life. It's about God's vision and His dream. John 3, 16-17. Haley read that for us this morning. For this is how much God loved the world that He gave His only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in Him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its Savior and rescue it. So God did something through Christ, and He sent this gift, and that's the message. And a few of the, the guys that was up front um, shared about grace. And the thing with grace, and the message of grace, and how grace has impacted our life, all of these things. I want to encourage and challenge everyone here. Grace is not a message. Grace is the message. Grace is Jesus. So, so to say something like, I love this church because we're all about grace. Then what about the churches that are not about grace? What are they about then? I don't know. It was a rhetorical question, but... Uh, <laughs> Call a spade a spade. There's a lot of things that churches and ministries are about that's not glorifying Jesus and the message of Jesus, which is one specific message, to save the world and to bring about change in the believer. He came to seek and save the lost. Not to come and... I'm not going to use examples. I don't want to miss anyone right now. I'm going to keep it clean um, as far as possible, but I'll probably deviate uh, down the line. Jesus came to accomplish something specific. He came to bring about what God desired. What's that? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. Who will all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's will for all men to be saved. Not some to be saved, but for the world. For all men to be saved. Jesus came for the world. He came to seek and save the lost. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. What is salvation? It's a good question to ask. What is salvation? Salvation is not one day in heaven, X, Y, and Z. Salvation is right here, right now, relationship with God. His Spirit living in us. That was God's desire from the beginning of time. We've looked at this week after week after week. Repetition is good because repetition helps us set something in our hearts. Habit is formed over time, repeating. So the same with the word. We need to be washed with the word. Repetition over and over again. God's will is for all men to be saved, to come to knowledge of the truth. What is salvation? Salvation is not going to heaven one day. Salvation is not having all of your needs met. Salvation isn't having a comfortable life. Salvation isn't having three houses, a good retirement, and a holiday home. Is this word blessing you guys? I know some of you are challenged and you're offended a little bit. Bear with me because I'm ministering to you the message of grace and the gospel which will change the world. The world is not going to be changed by diluted messages or versions of the gospel. 
It's the preaching of the gospel that brings about change. The gospel is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not a dilution of the gospel. Not a perversion of the gospel. Without His Spirit in us, without salvation, God's Spirit in us, we can't experience eternal life. He is eternal life. God's vision is to have the world experience His love and receive the gift of salvation. That is God's dream, His heart. To have sons and daughters be reconciled to Him in perfect relationship. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus rose from the dead and poured out His Spirit. So that that can become a reality. And so we can now enjoy the empowering to be co-laborers and partakers in bringing that to pass. So how does God's vision come to pass? How do people find out about the gospel? Because the gospel has already happened, right? It's a message. Good news. News happened. Not good prophecy. It's good news. It's happened. Jesus died. Jesus rose. The Spirit was poured out. Good news. That is what we're celebrating. That's what we're talking about. So God did His part. Now how is all of this coming to be? How do people find out? Because like we just looked, one third, no, one, a quarter of the world has never heard about Jesus. A quarter of the world has never heard about Jesus. They don't know anyone who's, who knows about Jesus even. What are we going to do about it? Romans 10 verse 13 to 15. How does this, this gospel get into the world? For everyone who calls on the name of the, of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? That's a very good question, right? How's that quarter of the world going to believe about Jesus? How are they going to come and hear about Jesus if, if no one's told them about Him? How can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring about good news. It's very practical. People can't hear and can't receive if someone doesn't bring. Who's that someone? You. Me. Every believer out there in the world is part of this mission, this vision. To bring about God's greatest dream for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Now that's the vision, that's the mission, but we need to understand that that's a, a, a fruit in a sense. It's an outworking of something. And the only way that this outworking is really going to come to be is when we really see the value and the impact of Jesus dying for me personally. Dying for you personally. If it doesn't become something personal to you, you'll never step out. If you don't personally see how Jesus came to transform your life and is busy transforming your life, you'll never share that with someone else. Anna came up, Yannicka came up, Godwell came up, Kat came up, Nadine came up, shared a little bit. And I know all of you have been impacted. A lot of you have been impacted by Jesus. But some of you have not yet been impacted to the degree that you want to tell someone else about it. And that's fine. 
That's why we're ministering the word. That's why we're going out to learn from one another and see the impact of Christ and learn from one another. Be challenged with the word. Be challenged with the vision and the mission that God has called us to. Cut away the fluff. If you really love something, you're really enjoying something, you're going to tell Facebook about it. If you had a great meal, you take a photo, you share it with your friends. If Jesus really impacted your life and bring about change, you're going to be a billboard to show that. People won't be able to keep you quiet talking about Jesus. And again, the more we come to see Jesus' life for us personally, the more we come to see the value and the radical miracle that took place when I received Christ. He made me a new being. The old is gone. All of my sins has been washed away. I'm as white as snow. The more we come to see His radical love for us, and we enjoy that radical love among one another, experiencing grace, forgiveness, all of that, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this to our, 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 the, the, the believers out there because a lot of believers are still walking in deception to ascend to a degree because that's what the scripture says. The world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So we grow in knowledge of truth and we're all at different places maybe or stages of seeing truth. And we're not, we haven't arrived as a ministry, as a church, by no means have we arrived. But there's a lot of people out there that's still experiencing religion. And experiencing and seeing Christianity as a religion. Having to do, having to work for God. No, we don't work for God. We work with God. There's a big difference. We're not slaves. We're sons and daughters. We're called to partake in God's family mission. It's a family mission. It's a family business. And when we go out this afternoon, we get to see these things. We get to be challenged. We get to learn from one another, and we get to experience, to taste and see what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is not someone who's a believer. You get disciples and you get believers. Believers are going to believe, but they're going to keep quiet about their belief. A disciple is going to talk about, share about what they believe with those who don't believe or who don't yet see and experience the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18 At Grace Life, we have three pillars that really make this vision a reality. Three pillars that we, we build on and that we continually, my leader, uh, the, the, the life group leaders, and continually encourage them and, and, and ask them about these three pillars. The three pillars are evangelism, discipleship, and community. And each of us, and I want to encourage you, as we're going through these three pillars, each of us gets to daily operate in at least one of, if not all three of these pillars. Because these three pillars brings about the change that the world needs to see. These three pillars brings about the vision that God has for the world. So first one, evangelism. Like I said, almost 80% of the world's Christians came to receive Christ through a personal contact. Are you going to join the stats in helping make that a reality? You know people. You're going to come in contact with people who have not yet heard about Jesus. And if they've heard about Jesus, 
They're not being discipled and growing in the knowledge of the truth. And you get to be a partaker of making one or two of those things come to pass. Them receiving Christ or them growing in the knowledge of the truth. And you don't need to know it all before you can do that. Because you know something guaranteed. I know this. You know something that someone else does not. Guaranteed. This morning I know you're going to learn and hear something that someone else has never heard. The question is, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to keep it to yourself? Or are you going to share this good news about God's love for us and He's he's inviting us to family and to partaking with the world out there? Because the world is hopeless. The world is hopeless. The world is looking for different things to fill that void. There's only one thing that can fill the void. It's the Spirit of God. And then when you are filled with the Spirit of God, there's only one thing that brings about a satisfaction and a purpose that nothing in this world can bring. No job, no vocation, no amount of children, no marriage can bring about a satisfaction and a purposeful life as living out your mission as a child of God, being the light of the world, being the salt of the world, ministering the gospel. We are all able ministers of a new covenant, a new promise. The promise of God to fill the world with His Spirit. We were made for this. No other being gets to minister the gospel. Just God's sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to Himself and given to us. Say us. Say me. You have been given the ministry of reconciling others to God. You have been given no other ministry than that ministry. Reconciliation. I'm going to share a few examples. You have not been given a ministry. Of teaching people to make a lot of money. I'm not saying teaching people to make money is bad. But that's not the ministry of the kingdom of God. You've not been given a ministry to help people be successful at you fill in the blank. You use your examples that you've, you've thought about. There's a lot of things that don't fit into the ministry of reconciliation that we've been given. The ministry of reconciliation only comes about through ministering the gospel, which is a specific message. The grace of God. Jesus dying for your sins. Jesus making a way for God's Spirit to live in you. And you having right standing with God. Not based on works or performance, but based on Jesus' perfect work for you. No condemnation. No feeling of guilt or shame. Only feelings of purpose, of destiny, of family. You have been approved by God. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. As you go. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Don't wonder who is to go. You are to go. That's the vision of this family. That's the vision of God for every child of God to be a partaker in the family business. We're not going to check up on you. I'm not going to ask you, did you come to the outreach this afternoon? Didn't you come to the outreach? I'm not going to take a roll call. What I can guarantee you, you will 
miss out. Because one day in heaven, you will not have the opportunity to minister the gospel. In heaven, no one's going to minister the gospel. In heaven, no one is going to see someone come from darkness into light. I'm guaranteeing that for you. Why? Because in heaven, everyone's received. Everyone's made a decision. We need to stir about an urgency because people are dying. People are dying in unreached people groups. People are dying not knowing and having a revelation of the love of God and the message of His grace and His love for the world. And we get to bring that to the world. So that's the pillar of evangelism. The pillar of discipleship. A disciple, like I said, it's more than just believing on Christ. It's following Christ. That's what a disciple is. It's a follower of Christ. It's being a student of the Word, not just a reader of the Word. Not just a consumer in the sense that listening and regurgitating teaching after teaching after teaching. I know people that know more word than I do. Some of you here. But knowing word does not bring change. Personal revelation brings change. And that comes through living it out. Not just hearing about it. What does James say? Some people see their face in the mirror and then they walk away from the, then they forget what they look like. That's not a disciple. A disciple is convinced of what they've seen in the Word. They're convinced of what God declares about them and they go out and they live it out. Because faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. It means nothing. Just believing the gospel is not going to impact the people around you. Being convinced of the gospel and that that person needs to hear and receive Christ being convinced of that will lead you to share with them. Look for an opportunity to bring about a spiritual conversation. And through discipleship, we learn these things. You get equipped in these things. We're not sending you out and say, go figure it out. You can figure it out through the Holy Spirit. He's a perfect teacher. But we also get to do it with one another. That's discipleship. Sharing with others what you know, what you've learned. Helping them gain understanding. Because understanding brings fruitfulness. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You're not studying to show to God that you're something. No, you're studying so that you can become convinced of God's approval of you. And through that, you also become a workman, a minister, that is not a shame because you're learning and rightly dividing the word of truth. You're not making the gospel something it was never intended to be. Because the gospel is not a message of prosperity. The gospel is not a message of healing. The gospel is not a message of having all of your problems figured out. Now Jesus can help you with those things. Making money, etc., etc. The spirit, the wisdom of God. But that's not the message of the gospel. Because then if the message of the gospel was about money, about finances... Elon Musk would not receive the gospel. Bill Gates would have no interest in hearing the gospel. Why? Because he's got enough money. The gospel needs to be applicable to everyone, otherwise it's not the gospel. The gospel that's applicable to everyone is that all have sinned, 
all have come short of the glory of God. No man can stand before God without receiving Christ. Receiving the gift of salvation. That is the gospel. And when we simplify it and we narrow it down to that, it becomes easy to share it with the richest, with the poorest, with the healthiest, with the weakest. Because it's applicable to everyone. It does not matter where you've come from, how old, how young you are, how rich or how poor you are. John 8, 31 to 32, we're coming to a close. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction in our hearts and that this is not a condemning word, but it's a convicting word of your calling and your purposes for our lives. John 8, 31 to 32, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's not just good enough to have heard the word. It's about continuing in the word. That is what a disciple is. Continuing being challenged by the word. Getting into the word. Asking questions. Digging in. Feasting. Meditating on the word. Sharing with one another. It's a continuation of the word. It's not just good enough to be a, a Christian on Sunday. Be excited. Have zeal on Sunday. And then Monday comes. You're like. You're just living and you look like the world. You smell like the world. You do everything like the world. That does not bring about change. Third pillar, community. And some of the testimonies talked about community. We get to do this mission together. As a community, we get to go out and minister at Tiger Valley. As a community, we get to do discipleship. Discipleship, doing relationship with one another through life group, through coffees and things like that. That builds discipleship, that builds community. It's together that we get to do these things. We are stronger together. We find our purpose by being in the body, not being disconnected from it. We looked at this last week. An arm or a hand disconnected from the body has got no purpose. It's weird. If you had a hand there on the chair, none of you would have stayed here in this meeting if there was hands on chairs and like, eyes and ears but it's in the fullness being connected into the body that you find your purpose that you mean anything that your value becomes real to you we get to be the body together do life together we're not on mission to build family and to build holy huddles and to have amazing gatherings no we're gathering for purpose to go out to be on mission we are family on mission we are community on mission. And you get to be on this mission with us. Luke 10 verse 1 says, After this the Lord Jesus formed 35 teams among the other disciples. Each team was two disciples, 70 in all. And he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town that he was about to visit. He sent them out two by two. Because there's accountability as well in community. When we go out to Tiger Valley Mall, we're not going out by one by one. Because I've been part of mission trips and personally I've experienced it. When I'm out on my own, you're more reserved. You can easily just kind of make excuses and not minister to anyone. But when you're there with someone else, you're encouraging one another, you're sharpening one another, you're keeping each other accountable in a healthy way. You get a little bit of a nudge. A nudge is good. Why do I talk about a nudge? Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. 
provoke, spur. Some translations talk about the word spur. I think that's the original text. Uh, uh, it talks about spurring one another. What is a spur? It's not a restaurant. <laughs> a spur is that thing that the cowboys had on their boots, their boots that spins around to spur the horse on to run. It does not hurt the horse, but it makes it uncomfortable. And that's what I'm saying. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to make myself uncomfortable with the word as much as possible. Because it's only when we're uncomfortable that we move somewhere. That we go in a direction. We need to move one another. That's what community is for. To spur one another. To provoke one another. Not just for the sake of provoking. Not just for the sake of moving. But moving with intention. With purpose. Bring about God's vision for the world to be saved. And to come to knowledge of the truth. Because that is the only good work that there is. The good work of bringing people to Christ and establishing them in relationship with Him. No other work is called good work. That is the good fight of faith that we see in the Word. So what now? How are we going to partake of this and really engage in this? And there's various things for us this morning. And I'll close in, in prayer in a moment. But firstly... We need to see this as a partnership thing. It's not a them and me. It's not a you do it and I do me. And There's no separation. Apart from the body, you, you don't mean and you don't. You're missing out on so much. And we're missing out on so much. Disconnected from the body. It's about partnership. Partaking with one another. And you can partner through your times, your talents. Bring your time, investing your time into being part of Sunday gatherings, being part of live group, being part of any other gathering, being investing in your time and, and reaching out to someone at work where they, they're asking some spiritual questions. They, 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 they see something different and you ask you, what is this? And you're like, hey, um, let's honor the work time. We're here to work. We have to accomplish something. We, we need to be uh, faithful uh, laborers and faithful um, employees to our employer. But how about tomorrow at lunchtime we go for coffee and I'll share with you more about Jesus. That's your time that you're investing into the gospel, into building God's kingdom. So with our time we can be part partners with this, with our talents, with our gifts. The things that we are good at, we can use that to open up doors for us. Or we can use that to bring about financial gain that helps the gospel as well. We can be partners in reaching the lost in your world through prayer, through stepping out. We have a hit list. I've got a hit list on my phone. It's my screensaver. So every time I unlock my phone, I see five names that I'm praying for. And I'm not just praying for them. I'm telling other people about who I'm praying for so that if they're also meeting those people, they can also be intentional about reaching out to them. So I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing. And it's the same with Jesus. He didn't ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. You've got a world to reach. And you might be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees or hears about. You might be the only Bible that anyone ever reads, so to speak. Then you can partake through building community. 
That's another thing where we invest our time in. But building community, it's not just a one-way thing, but it's two-way. Building community together. And then discipleship. It's two-way. We get to be discipled through Sunday gatherings. We get to experience discipleship through life group. And then also, wherever it's applicable, you can experience and maybe enjoy discipleship one-on-one. Whether you're receiving that, whether you're giving that to someone. But there's truths that you know, that you've learned, that you can share with someone else. And that's what discipleship is about. And then lastly, we get to be partners with our finances. Because it takes money to bring about the gospel, to take the gospel into the rest of the world. It takes money even just practically for those heaters to be on. Who's enjoying the heaters this morning? Good stuff. Guess what? It took money to put gas in the heaters. So the gospel and facilitating this, facilitating training centers, so to speak, having this building, it's a training center. It's not a holy huddle. I'm pretty sure you can all attest that you, you didn't just experience a holy huddle this morning, but you experienced a challenge and equipping this morning. And that should be the purpose and intent of church, not to just facilitate nice meetings, but it's training, sharpening one another, encouraging one another, and sending people out. We've got mission trips coming out. It takes money to send people out to those worlds, to those areas. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.